When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast whose only fluff piece is my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And is that a, is it like fluffing? Like like the fluffers in porn? Yeah, that's the joke I was making. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. All right. Uh, I like your cum mug. Um, oh, yeah. thank you. Me too. I use this more often than just about any other mug. That should be my gayest. Yeah, just on principle. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, today we are going to talk about queer cinema. The people yeah. have spoken. They voted. Here we are. God, you're I man, this is it's not been going well in the voting polls. The the exit polls have not been favoring me. Uh, Yeah, uh, that was your submission. And uh, you're keeping on your winning streak. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the, the, the proper amount of gloating. (laughs) um which you know i mean when you win it's up to you to decide the proper amount is that true i don't want to be an asshole i mean i'm 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 dominating your ass kyle so wow well (laughs) don't turn me on so early in the morning (laughs) because that's how daddy rolls um (laughs) yeah uh uh, we're going to talk about queer cinema, but first, uh, but first. feedback and corrections. Man, um, y'all had some feelings about the word queer. That's for damn yeah, sure. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Thank you for anyone who shares their stories or opinions. It was, uh, oh, yeah, got a lot of feedback. The one that I wanted to read is an email we got, uh, and mm-hmm. we'll jump into it. Good day. Good day. Hello. <laughs> I'm enjoying the current episode subject quite a bit, especially as a queer identifying person. Every journey is a bit different, but here's why that adjective works for me. For most of my life, I identified as a gay male. I've gotten older, though, and our language has evolved. There's been a tendency to make things more and more specific. But there's a lot of information and explanation I don't necessarily want to share with casual acquaintances, including my in-life discovery that I'm intersex. This latent life revelation came around the same time I realized I am a a gender and found out some early life surgeries my family had performed on me were sexual confirmation surgeries. Mm. This is a controversial and charged topic even within the more enlightened LGBT plus spectrums and frankly invites a lot of conversations I don't want to engage in with the random person at a public event. For me, queer works best then for a lot of reasons. It doesn't invite a lot of conversation generally. It covers everything from sexual identity to gender identity to social perspective. I'm 47, and my relationship to queerness goes back to those self-identifying heroes of mine who were politically advocating for our rights in the 80s and 90s. I respect others' wishes to be named and seen, how they prefer to be labeled, but for me, it's an adjective that unifies all non-majority conforming people without pushing the rights of one group over another. And more to the point, it's a reminder to continue the work of my predecessors to advocate for a world where differences are celebrated and not feared. Anyway, I love the show and have only the best wishes for your podcast family. Thanks, Lael. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lael. If that's how you say your name, I'm saying I'm taking a real big swing. But um, thank you for writing in and for the story. And uh, we got lots of people explaining why they uh, identified. And, and some people uh, like Lael were like, I, I just don't want to get into it. And, and I've seen this before, too, of some people talking about like I'm a bisexual leaning towards more men and I identify as, uh, you know, my, but romantically interested in this and my gender identity is, and then when they talk to people outside the community, they're like, I'm gay. I'm a gay man. (laughs) Like, you know, I like you, when you're in the community, you, you can have a little, it's a little bit safe. It's not always completely safe depending on the identity, but it should be a little bit safer to be able to like, here's all the things that I want to explain about my identity and to outside people. They would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So you're just yeah. like, I, yeah. I'm just gay for you. I'm, I'm just gay and you can move on. Yeah. 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 It a little bit reminds me of like, like when you, when you said you wanted to start using he, they pronouns and like kind of wondering if like, your your okayness with he is 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 because just like it's just easier like <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah i don't know i it's so hard to tell what's uh what about gender is trained into you and i as hmm. someone who am very sensitive to outsiders perspectives and will just believe everyone else before myself and trust what everyone else thinks before i will think about what i care or want and i don't mm-hmm. so i don't know how much of it is just like oh yeah, that's that's the right thing that you've told me. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Thank you for all the feedback, every everyone, and um, I, everybody, almost everybody has been super respectful, which is great. I appreciate that. Oh, almost everybody is. Th- are there stories I want to hear about later? Off the I will, mic. I will off pod tell you a story. <gasps> oh, we have <laughs> some shitty listeners. <laughs> if you're wondering if it's you. It's you. Um, <laughs> and I actually think I'm, I, although you dominated my ass, as you put it, uh, yeah. I am excited. That I, I, I actually think this is a very fitting conversation to have that we're talking about queer cinema, but we'll start to illuminate the differences between gay and queer because like, why not gay cinema? Well, I, I think, I think we'll get into that. Yeah, I think we will too. Uh, but first, uh, here's the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News, news, news. News the first. Kyle. Yes. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. I can't. It just, I can't. I you fucking, can't even? I can't fucking even. Okay. In the state of Ohio, Republicans have advanced a trans sports ban bill. That would require student athletes to undergo medical verification if someone complains and demands that their gender be confirmed. Hmm. So in the state of Ohio, they're saying genital inspections for children, for fucking children, Kyle. If some random ass Karen fucking mom bitch wants to see what's in Johnny's pants. Because, god damn it, I just can't, I can't, I can't. Anyway, uh, so so last last week, the state house was set to vote on a bill to modify Ohio's teacher residency program when Republicans tacked on the trans sports ban at the last minute. The new measure would require schools, state universities, and private colleges to establish single-sex athletic teams and sports for the male sex and female sex or have co-ed teams. 
The bill would require students whose, quote, sex is disputed to provide a doctor's statement verifying their, quote, internal and external reproductive anatomy. This physician would also need to confirm the students, quote, normal endogenously produced levels of testosterone and perform an analysis of the participants' genetic makeup. Thus, just, I, ugh. these, they're kids. They're fucking children. They're fucking children. Not, I'm sorry. I mean, Republicans are probably also fucking children. Like, who knows? Uh, like, but like, no, no, we do. Yeah, we do. They are. <laughs> Matt, Matt Gates, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. It's insane. What it, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's insane. Imagine being a, a child and realizing that if you do anything outside of the gender norms, you may be perceived by outsiders as other, and that may bring on a medical examination of your genitals, among other things, among accusations of cheating. There, It's, uh, it's such... It's such a get back into your gender box kind of thing that affects, uh, of course, affects trans people and it's horrible and they are the ones under attack right now, but also affects anyone with any kind of just not being the typical anything, any kind of expression or identity or anything that breaks you out of day to day like if if you're a little girl that likes cowboy movies i don't know do, uh, do they need to do a gender inspection because that's a little bit not what a girl does like uh, it's it's insane how rigid they 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 feel like uh, you know before it's family values now it's gender is under attack and they need to try to force people back into the boxes of gender identity and expression that they are comfortable with um and it's it's the it's gross and it's disgusting and it's going to uh, it's going to kill kids yep 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 well uh catherine oakley who is the state legislative director and senior counsel for the human rights campaign said quote transgender students have participated in sports consistent with their gender identity for decades in states around the country and there's no actual problem here that needs addressing this bill is about targeting transgender youth for perceived political gain not about strengthening women's sports or helping Ohio's youth. It is especially shameful that extremist politicians pass this legislation in the dead of night before leaving town until the fall. And so the bill actually is stalled now because they went on break, but the Ohio Senate, which meets again in November, will have to take up this issue and and make a decision. So there's It's like they took a dump in a public toilet and didn't flush. They were just like, "Oh, here we go. Bye." Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. The thing is, I think that and we've talked about this on the show a little bit before. I think that there can be a nuanced and respectful discussion of of the impacts of testosterone in athletics where it matters and that there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot to to talk about. But if the side that you're on says that an eight-year-old needs to have their penis looked at by a doctor so that they can play soccer. You are fucked. You are a fucking <laughs> dickbag asshole. Get your shit together. Yeah. That is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what I what I really appreciate about what the internet has said in response to people that come out of the woodworks, oh, you care about women's sports? 
Let's talk about the issues. This is not an issue. So what are the issues? There are things like the pay gap or women's access to sports or there's there's uh, there's issues that actually affect the day-to-day lives of women and girls playing sports. And if you cared, you would look at those. But you don't care. You don't actually care about the fairness and equality of women's sports. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry, trans people, like that you are just the 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 favorite whipping post du jour for Republicans to win points with their base because they know that their time is up. Um, yeah. Next up, news the second. Yeah. So LGBTQ plus community and allies are up in arms after the White House kicked off Pride Month by announcing a new postage stamp honoring former First Lady Nancy Reagan. <laughs> um, Nancy Reagan, who was conservative Republican President Ronald Reagan's wife, our first lady from 1981 to 1989. Did you just know that? Yeah. Huh. Rather, rather famously, the Reagan administration um, completely ignored the HIV AIDS crisis at the time when it was the, the, the height of its awfulness in the gay community. He was, uh, Reagan was in office for almost five years before he even said the word AIDS in public. And they also were friends with Rock Hudson, who was one of the earliest celebrities to die of complications with AIDS from AIDS. And uh, he apparently reached out to the Reagans to ask for their help because he was a candidate for a new kind of treatment. It doesn't say what kind of treatment. This is an article from Pink News. But uh, apparently it was an experimental treatment for HIV AIDS that wasn't available in the United States. And he asked the Reagans, who were his friends, to intervene so that he could get signed up for this program. And they they declined to help. Um, Damn. Yeah. So so just there are some people there are some Nancy Reagan defenders, but <laughs> Nancy Reagan apologists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, because because there there were reports that she lobbied her husband completely ineffectively to be kinder to the LGBT community. And, and there, there is some, there is some evidence to suggest that she, that she did, but just the, the Reagan administration's silence on AIDS is unforgivable. And so for the Biden administration to release a postage stamp with her face on it, the first day of pride month is definitely tone deaf. If, if not, um, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what other, like actively antagonistic or something. right yeah 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 so so anyway anyway i think it's it's interesting for some reason that reminded me of biden posting about gun violence recently and being like we need to take action and it's like bro i know you're not the senate i know i know there are differences in these things but taking to twitter to to call like saying things need to change when you're the fucking president is like i don't know like you you're the you're the president bro like hopefully you have a better avenue than twitter but to to say that she is lobbying people like princess Di is a great example of she's did shit she just she if there was something that it was a rule that she was supposed to follow or you follow the correct path, she didn't do it. And she just did what she wanted anyway. And so there are, if you are the first lady and your husband isn't listening, there are things you can do. And so yep. I don't, I don't know. Yep. Absolutely. I, I, to- I totally agree. I, I think there are maybe some like generational gender role things happening, right? Like, like, uh, you know, w- women were maybe, women from her generation were maybe less inclined to be 
strong, defiant, independent, powerful women. And, and, come on now. Come on. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> um, come, come on. <laughs> That's my response to, to Biden. Yep. 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 Um, okay. News to the last. Great. I'm going to probably fuck this up, Kyle. Oh. I, mostly because I don't know who this person is. But I guess rapper Isaiah Rashad has publicly come out as sexually fluid. But this is after a sex tape leaked about him, uh, outed him. He did an interview with a fellow rapper, Joe Budden, on Thursday. This is last week. And he defined himself as sexually fluid. So apparently back in February, there was a sex tape that got leaked that showed the 31-year-old engaging in sex with men. And then in April, during a set at Coachella, he said, uh, quote, just because I grew up in high school, I dated this type of person. In college, dated this type of person. It doesn't mean that as an adult, it's always going to be like specific. I'm more attracted to a personality and I'm attracted to the intellect. And sometimes it's just being attracted to somebody. But uh, somebody to to love somebody Uh, to love. Okay. So uh, apparently, apparently this leaked sex tape is uh, him blowing some dudes and some dudes blowing him. So good for him. Dudes, uh, plural. Um, Is that is that what you said? Plural men, plural. Damn group sex tape. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it leaked online, and at first it was just a rumor, like, "Hey, is that is that Isaiah Rashad?" And and then it turned out that yeah, yeah, it it it, it probably is. Um, God, that leak- fucking su- jokes about blowing groups of men aside. Like, I to not be in control of the moment you come out, and to have it not only not only come out that way, but through everyone seeing your like private personal sex life jesus that's i don't know how you could yeah yep well he said uh, he said that the leak resulted in his family discovering that he was queer and uh the the other rapper button in this interview said um well, well quote you said your family knew your grandparents knew your girl knew and he said um uh, Rashad r- r- replied, well, it's a time for my family together out of everything. It's been a blessing that with that happening and my granddad dying a couple of days afterwards, it's been a concentration of family together more than they had been before. If anything, I can't be mad at everything about it. I always got to look at the brighter side of stuff. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's uh, sexually fluid is something that we've been talking about more and more. And um, I, I think it's really it's really interesting to have um, a, a black man that is in the public eye come out as sexually fluid and have it, especially in a toxic environment like rap and yeah. have it go pretty okay. At least so far is, is, is interesting. Uh, and I, I definitely want to learn more about him and his music as a result. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I want to learn more about his music. Yeah. <laughs> hey now. Hey, <laughs> I, I did look up the Jesse Williams sex tape. I'm not going to look up this one. It's that, not, not the, sex tape. His the, the dong tape. You looked up the... <laughs> yeah, that was my biggest problem with the Jesse Williams dong is it was just hanging there. It wasn't doing... You know, I want... A, <laughs> a, a, a dick in action remains in action. Like, I want to I see... I want to see it. 
Wait, like Newtonian physics? A dick at yeah. rest remains at rest unless acted upon <laughs> yeah. by an equal and opposite dick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to look up his sex tape, and if it's not called sexual fluids, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't think. I probably won't. I might. I don't think. I. No, I won't. I would never. I might. I maybe. No, I can't. I wouldn't. I might. Uh, all right. I mean, I mean, I don't want to, but I, I will on your behalf. If <laughs> <laughs> you will do hardcore research for this yep. show. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, that's the news. That's the news. Well, uh, my hardcore research has been telling me that the following people uh, are better than a sex tape. And thank you to the following new Patreon members. Tommy. John. Just. Alex L. What? <laughs> What, oh, they're just just first names. That's it. Tommy, John, right. Alex L, and G. Case Willoughby the Third. Sorry, Tommy, John, and Alex L. You got stomped on again by the G. Case. Um, if you want to join, get episodes a day early, support the show, get ad free listening, get lots of bonus content. Uh, check out all the options on patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Do it. Do you want to talk about queer cinema? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about queer cinema. So in just a little bit, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our good friend, quiz daddy, Chris Hagee from the We Read Movies podcast. Uh, people who listen to this show might remember he uh, co-hosted when you people, were... T- people that listen to this show. <laughs> people like you. <laughs> like you, like you, current person. Like um, you, you currently, yeah. He helped me do the Armpits episode last summer in, in August. And uh, and then he was a frequent contributor on Have a Nice Gay. He did all of our, our quiz stuff, our, our Wednesday game day. Anyway, uh, he knows a lot about gay cinema because that's all his podcast is about. Um, but, uh, but, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, Anything we want to say before he's here to defend himself? Um, boy, that his <laughs> armpit image on on the Instagram is one of our most popular images. Like nowadays, I now I see it. Like if you are, it's not. It's kind of subtle, but not really subtle. If you are like a gay influencer on Instagram, chances are every now and then when you're trying to promote, promote something, you do a pit pick. Like that oh. is. That is a thing. There is a uh, there is a math to it that that people know. Anyway, that's not anything about queer cinema, but that's just sure. a, just a fun fact. Um, glad yeah, he... those are those are still pictures, and cinema is moving pictures. That's true. That's the biggest <laughs> difference between our Instagram and queer yep. cinema. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yep. and cultural impact is about the same. So, all right. So, um, you want you want to you want to, want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay, I'm gonna watch a movie. Oh, whoa. Okay. See ya. Uh, Chris and I will record while you're gone. (laughs) Okay, great. Bye. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) And I'm here. Whoa. Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. Like like a Nosferatu, I rise from the shadows. Yeah. Like the creepy kind, the real pale kind, except you Yeah, the, the Count Orloff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we're we're here with with Quiz Daddy Chris Hagee from the We Read Movies podcast. Uh, w- welcome welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm uh, very happy to be here yeah. to talk about my favorite subject, 
what? gay movies. Oh, good. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> if it was different than that, I would have been very... <laughs> to talk about my favorite subject, the Antebellum South. I don't know. Right, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Yeah, so we you're on here talking about your favorite thing, gay movies. Why do you care about gay movies, and what have you... What's your experience with gay yeah, movies? Reintroduce yourself. Yeah. So, uh, hi everybody. I'm Chris Hagee. Uh, so, I, I mean, first off, I have I have a podcast uh, called We Read Movies, where we talk about bad gay movies, uh, so, or uh, also known as just gay movies. Um, <laughs> I've been okay. So, like, my full story: uh, the very first movie that I ever watched. Uh, my dad was like, well, it's a musical. It's probably for kids. So it was Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, and I loved it. It was my yep. favorite movie. Uh, I had the soundtrack on cassette, and I used to listen to it all the time. So my my history with gay movies goes back to, uh, you know, my uh when i was two or whatever mm-hmm. did your parents ever were they ever in denial about you being gay or was there a oh he loves rocky horror picture show we got to get on board with this real quick i i mean i think that everybody really knew i i after loving rocky horror picture show i loved musicals of all kinds um my favorite toy growing up was a rainbow bright doll uh you know i was just i was hecka gay (laughs) i think i was much more vocal than i planned than like i thought i was being about my crush on atreyu from the never-ending story sure yeah Uh um so yeah Uh i mean and i came out at like 14 uh so it i it wasn't a it wasn't much of a surprise to, okay. I think, anybody. Okay, sorry. Continue. You can continue with your movie descriptors. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I watch a lot of, uh, I watched, I was watching a lot of bad gay movies, and I was watching so many of them that I uh, felt the need to start talking about them on a biweekly <laughs> basis. And the thing that, the thing that really made me want to start the podcast uh, was that. I was watching uh, one of the first movies that we ever did uh, called Going Down in La La Land, uh, which mm. is, there's no reason you would know about it. It, it wasn't particularly uh, well received, but <laughs> it was just like, a, it's a movie about a, uh, a guy who moves to Hollywood and then like he tries to be an actor that doesn't work. And then he becomes a porn star and then becomes an escort. And then, but it's about sex work, but it's very sex shaming. Oh wow! Uh, and he is very sex shaming, and it's a, it, it just like it it made me feel gross, uh, mm. and I didn't I didn't like it. And then I was uh, listening to a podcast about the movie, and that was really sex shaming too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I have a love hate relationship, I think, with gay movies. What podcast was that? I I don't want to call. I don't want to put him on blast. <laughs> it's Pride. We're supposed to be bitchy. That's that's why Pride was invented, so gays could be other bitchy to other gays. I feel Harvey I'm, Milk I'm, died for our rights to be cunts to each I'll, other. I'll tell you both after. Okay. 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 I know that they are aware of us, mm. but oh. they have never talked bad about us. So I don't. I don't want to talk bad about them. 
That's well, very getting uh, Azalea Banks, man. Getting controversy <laughs> going is the way you grow. This is this is your PR tactic. Okay, no, no, no. That's fair and very nice of you. Okay, I think that uh, to start us off, gay movies, queer movies. It is a very important area for so many queer people, and. I think similar to queer history, where if you don't know certain things, then especially after you come out, you never learn these things. No one taught you that. It makes sense that you don't know them. And also other people can very much judge you for your knowledge or lack of knowledge in this area. I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what the other areas like female divas, gay history and musicals, musicals, musicals is a Broadway. Even then, I think that like, if I, if I'm, you know, talking to somebody and I'm and I say like, oh, you know, I, I was listening to the six soundtrack the other day and they're like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, ah, that's fine. You don't you don't need to. <laughs> uh, whereas like if I don't know if somebody was to say that, like they had never seen Brokeback Mountain, I'd be like, really, you've never seen it. Like, mm-hmm. I understand if you don't like it, but like you you'd never felt the need to to watch it, at least to try. There, and there's a difference even between that, between being surprised. I don't know, but I think there is sometimes it can go to a place that makes people feel shitty about their, you know, like, like you're not gay enough. You're not right. You don't, how can you, you, you are deficient as a person, which I think someone, uh, what movie was it? Steel Magnolias. I still haven't mm. seen it, but they described me as deficient because I had not seen that. And that was like, this is, this has gone beyond, oh, I'm surprised you haven't seen that to like, now describing me as a as a person that's not complete because of lack of knowledge i have very much felt that in the gay community yeah i mean uh you know we're uh, we can be judgmental bitches uh and <laughs> I, I will say this i don't think you're deficient as a person but you should see steel magnolias <laughs> and i think that um that kind of that that was that was basically what I was gonna say. Uh, was just you should see Steel Magnolias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing to take away from this. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is I I don't think that like there are gay movies that most people would be judgy that you haven't seen. Uh, maybe like Tu Wong Fu, possibly. Mm-hmm. But I think that by and large it would be. They're not gay movies, but they are gay classics. So like Legally Blonde or um, I was watching Fire Island uh, yesterday Ooh, and yeah. and there's a scene where they're talking about my cousin Vinny and huh. somebody has never seen it or heard of it. And they're all like, how can you never have heard of this movie? So yeah. I, I would say things like that. Yeah. Charlie's Angels, uh, basically anything with a strong female lead. Yeah. 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 It is really interesting how many movies aren't overtly queer that are these iconic mean a lot to gay men more than than other other films even some films that are overtly queer they still you know prefer them i think that's true of artists also like of of musicians our gay icon musicians are almost never gay it's you know it's britney it's Cher, it's uh it's dan warwick it's it's you know ostensibly straight almost always women yeah, we almost never describe Elton John, for example, as being a gay icon, despite the fact that he is very flamboyantly gay. I think that he's potentially more appreciated by straight people mm. Uh, mm. than he mm. is gays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the the movies, the the queer movies of your 
as I always say um, that word, but, and you know, they're, they're smaller independent ones. They're Sundance movies. They're, and, and the, the mainstream or the day-to-day ones that you talk about are not going to be these low budget independent films. They're going to, and I think just like musical artists, I think that's a great comparison. I think musical artists, the thing they play in the radio is the thing little gay boys know about growing up. Just like the movies that we saw, we didn't have an opportunity to see gay movies and that's changing now, but that's what, but so we like ones that are, you know, just, just like those divas are there. It's their strong, weird women that, you know, are, you know, kind of fucked up, but are cool with it. And, you know, wear crazy things like, yeah, I think those parallels run very close together. Um, So, uh let's just put it out there what's what's your uh, do you have a queer movie gap and chris like you have an entire podcast where you watch gay movies so i i can't imagine i can't imagine you having a big gap but i I don't have a huge gap i do have (laughs) um uh i I certainly have some hot takes uh one of the i guess the biggest gap is that i and this is also my most cancelable opinion but I started watching Call Me By Your Name and I stopped because I was intensely bored. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was one of the most boring movies I'd ever seen. And I, I finally was just like, forget it. I can't do this. I don't want to watch two hours of this. I'm sorry. Wow. I literally did the same thing when I wrote down my answer to this. It is Call Me By Your Name. I started watching it and I, I think I got five minutes in and I was like, uh, maybe not right now because I'm like, I'm so fucking bored right now. It felt like work as I was doing it, and I, I didn't. I don't know. I was. Yeah. Yeah. My other uh, uh, big gap is Pink Flamingos. That's one that ah comes up a lot. John Waters. I, yeah, yeah, that's John Waters. That's the one where Divine eats uh, eats poop at the end. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> no, I, I at least know the poop part. I, <laughs> Mike, what about you? Okay, I have also not seen at all. Call me by your name. Oh, wow. We got to call me by our name gap here. (laughs) The trifecta. Um, Yeah, I I haven't seen it. Of course, everybody everybody raved about it. I just haven't prioritized it. And uh, um, now maybe I won't after (laughs) the panning that you guys just gave it. I think I just need to get high. (laughs) True of the movie and of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, What are some other controversial hot takes about gay cinema all right here's my hottest take the hottest take i have i think that potentially so i love john waters movies but i think potentially john waters might have opened the door for a lot of really terrible cinema um because i think that like with david lynch uh john waters is a very stylized thing that most people can uh, that i think a lot of people can look at and say like well i could do that uh, and the the fact is, like, oftentimes they can't because uh, what John Waters was doing and what David Lynch was doing uh, and still I think he's still alive. Uh, what John <laughs> Waters was doing was like adding. First off, nobody had ever done it before. So that was that was interesting in and of itself. But uh, he, he added uh, just an element of absurdity uh, and and sincere absurdity that I think is lacking from a lot of uh, similarly campy, similarly trashy type movies that get made, uh, especially ones on a low budget and especially gay movies. Sincere absurdity. I like that phrase. That's like, that's interesting. What about you, Mike? (laughs) 
Well, I wanted I, at some point we, we need to, we need to sort of calibrate on what we mean by queer cinema, right? Because there's there's the this is a a a queer story about queer characters that's like clearly fits, but then there's all this gray area in between, especially when we look at older movies older older cinema because you you couldn't be overt about these things so you know gay people are watching these movies and and reading into things and 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 there's a lot of queer coding that happens but yeah like the spartacus count right right exactly exactly and 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 then there's this uh, there's this third bucket that that chris talked about a little bit ago of just movies that gay people love does that it does that make it queer cinema and so one of the things swirling around in my head i don't understand why why so many gay men love gray gardens. I, 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 I don't, it's a, the documentary about little Edie and like, they just seem fucking obsessed with these, with these women in this documentary. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't see the, the appeal. I don't get it. I think that little Edie is, I, I think that gray gardens is, there's an element of like, uh, I mean, there's an element of camp to it. There's an element of, I don't remember the right, word for it it's not quite kitsch uh but there's it's wealthy women in decline i think is a is a very appealing thing to gay men yeah you get to kind of live a little bit vicariously through that and uh especially like with little edie she's she's so because she's rich we'll call her eccentric but like she was she was she was nuts yeah and her wealth sheltered her and allowed her to to kind of live that life uh without intervention um Mm. and i think that a lot of gay men see that and and think ah i fucking wish Mm. (laughs) i think there's i mean i think something about queer cinema is people on the fringes of society views that you don't see outsiders people that don't fit or yeah someone that you're just like you this is not how people live or should live. It's just this, this comes across. This is insane. Like it's, it's something about people on the fringes of society, just kind of doing their shit and whether they realize it or not, it's, I I think there's something to that that's inherent in queer cinema. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I agree. How how about you, Kyle? What's your, what, what are we taking your gay card away for? (laughs) Um, uh, my, my biggest thing right now is that I don't watch a lot of gay things or queer things. Uh, and whether that's TV shows or media, I, I avoid them. And there's something like personal going on with me of, I, uh, it's difficult for me. Like, basically I'm just like, okay, I have to just watch out for myself and my mental health number one. And, and if that means not watching gay things, even though I should, or, you know, every, or people recommend it, or it's, you know, it's the biggest popular thing. Uh, you know, I, I talk about gay culture for an entire fucking podcast and don't watch the current day gay things. And mm. a part of it is uh, like, I, I, there's something about watching gay movies that sometimes, or, or even gay TV shows that I don't, I don't. I want to be taken away or I want it as a distraction. And that is a very like real and grounding thing. There's something to get that I'm annoyed as someone who's a writer or, or like wants to be a writer or whatever I am that I'm like annoyed that I'm not doing anything or making any kind of art that, and these people are, and they're doing it. And there's like a envy that I have that I'm not proud of that, that, prevents me there's uh, most of them feature some kind of like hot dude that i could never be and and 
I've, I'm, I've been avoiding things with like hot people. There are like all these reasons that I just do not watch or stay up on gay media right now. What do you watch that doesn't have hot people in it? <laughs> Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what is queer cinema? Define it. You want us to calibrate. Well, yeah. What is what is queer cinema? I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about the history of queer oh. cinema. Um, which you know, <laughs> no one, uh, no one at home can see what I just did. But I did, <laughs> jazz, I did hands. jazz hands. <laughs> it's the pizzazz that's been lacking from the history segments. So, if you read like the the Wikipedia article, the history of homosexuality in American film, right? Like, like multiple places, I ran across the same tidbit of the f- first queer representation in film. The Gay Brothers is the Gay Brothers, and it's this. This <laughs> it's very short. I watched the whole thing three times because it's only like thirty seconds, and it is. It was filmed in eighteen ninety five, and it was filmed at Edison's um, laboratory. And at a laboratory, yeah, it, it, his uh, like movie theater. Uh, sorry, movie movie studio. He called it Edison's Labs. He did other stuff there too. So it, inventions. And also, you know, a little bit of strong arm robbery of other places. Yeah. Because uh, he was also kind of a mobster. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he would like other people would be like, I'm going to make a movie studio, too. And he was like, no, 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 you're not. And then a bunch of thugs would show up and like smash all their cameras. Um, yep. So, you know, Edison kind of sucked. But anyway, the the point is, yes, his labs. <laughs> Problematic. Sorry. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's a uh, the it, it's also known as the Dixon experimental sound film. It was made by William Dixon in late eighteen ninety four, early eighteen ninety five, and it is the first known film that had sound recorded with it. So it's it's notable for two pretty big reasons, right? The the first is that you know it it shows uh, these two men dancing with each other while another man plays the violin or fiddle violin and uh and then it's notable because you can see the guy playing the violin into this giant ass cone because it is being fed into a recorder that it's it's uh making a wax cylinder that has the the sound on it and so it's it's the first known film with live recorded sound it's it's really it's really interesting but it's not queer like it's i don't even think it's i I, it's called the gay brothers but from what i saw they didn't seem particular they weren't like the gay brothers that i uh remember from a certain video from the 2007 or so right yeah the peters (laughs) (laughs) it's not familydick.com that's for sure right like (laughs) i I sort of always assume like in my head i i i just kind of always assumed that edison just meant like the happy brothers. Right. Oh yeah. Was gay gay at that time or was gay happy? It's, it's also possible that Edison didn't name it that um, there, there's some um, places that suggest that uh, Vito Russo, who wrote the celluloid closet, which was then ultimately turned into a movie, which we talked about on X rated movies um, uh, in season one of, of, of gayish. <laughs> but, uh, but his book, the celluloid closet written in 1981 uh, he titled it The Gay Brothers or claimed without attribution that it was called The Gay Brothers. And that sort of took off. And but it's it's um, unsubstantiated. Hmm, uh, interesting. So, y- 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 yeah, it, it's also there's there's no evidence that, that the guy um, intended Dixon, the, the director, intended to present the men as a romantic couple. 
Um, in fact, the lyrics of the song that the violinist plays describes life at sea without women. And when you're at sea without women, you dance with each other. You also blow each other sometimes. So maybe that doesn't, it, it's not the slam dunk that this writer thinks it is. But And also sometimes you look over the side of the boat and you see a manatee and you think that's a hot mermaid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you dash your ship upon the rocks trying to fuck that manatee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Early cinema got away with a whole bunch of shit, which I think we've talked about before the, the Hayes Code a little bit, and I, I will go over some of that. But but early, early, early cinema got away with a whole bunch of stuff that just would not have been wouldn't have been allowed in the forties, fifties, sixties. Um, the like what, Mike? Like 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 okay, the nineteen twenty two film Manslaughter includes an orgy scene, and it, in that orgy scene is a same sex kiss oh it is it is Boy, okay i mean uh, same sex kiss great but if you're describing an orgy scene and the same and that like kiss seems like the not a not a same sex dick and down or uh, yeah also and... how what do we uh paint a word picture of this orgy like uh <laughs> how much how much how much dick do we see yeah i don't think this i don't i don't know i haven't i haven't seen it. it is a silent film and so i'm 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 reasonably sure it could be found on on youtube it is it is a hundred minutes long so it's a it's a full it's a full it's a full thing it is not it it's not a hundred like minutes of orgy no 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 <laughs> so the so just to to read the the description here it was it was directed by cecil B, cecil b demille who um there's now you know a fancy award named after but uh also it, one it, of the best scenes in sunset boulevard another movie that i would say is very gay yeah mr demille i'm ready for my close-up no all right never uh, mind. i haven't i haven't seen it i haven't seen oh it. my god I've seen, it. I've seen that clip Do your though. gay card i know right <laughs> <laughs> uh manslaughter per- portrays the main character lydia thorne as a thrill-seeking self-entitled and wild woman who does not have a reputation of thinking before acting she acts selfishly by dancing with other men in the presence of her husband and not providing help to her maid who is in dire need for her son's health. As a result of her numerous poor decisions, she is taken to court because of a vehicle accident entailing a high-speed chase that she has with a motorcyclist policeman. Following this accident, she is imprisoned for manslaughter after being prosecuted by her husband, Daniel O'Bannon, who is a lawyer. I think you uh, accidentally read The Great Gatsby. I think that was the, the description of The Great Gatsby. I think you accidentally read the biography of uh, Barbara Bush. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, after she gets out of jail, he becomes president. No, uh, she, uh, <laughs> she, she finds that her husband has become an alcoholic. Um, and then it says this film was one of the very first to depict a graphic scene of men plundering a room of women meant to represent the descent of Lydia's privileged life. And this film contained various imagery depicting life among the upper class society. It was the first film to show an erotic kiss between two members of the same sex. And, um, yeah, where's I want men to plunder me. Like, I just don't want to like have (laughs) sex with him. I want them to plunder me. That's hot. (laughs) Great. It does. I mean, it sounds very like bodice ripping romance novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit misogynistic, but like the misogyny, light misogyny is hot. But then you fix him with your goodness and he turns <laughs> into a, yeah. it turns out yeah. that he's a lord or something and yeah. then he marries you. My goodness. <laughs> Makes an honest woman of you. Uh, um yeah there's there's an orgy and there's some 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 kissing that happens um then there's an uh, orgy and there's some kissing <laughs> yep 
Yep. This isn't one of those no kissing orgies. <laughs> uh, Marlena Dietrich um, kisses a lady in 1930 in the movie Morocco. And um, that while one. While wearing a suit. While wearing a suit. Yeah, so Yeah. Well, yeah. A lady wearing a suit and kissing another lady. How dare she? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that that was. Um, that's the first time that a leading lady kissed another female on screen and was definitely making a splash. That was a queer splash, undeniably a queer splash. It was controversial and disgust and, 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 and the, the queerness of the whole thing is, is why I, I buy the argument that that's the first one that counts, but um, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of, of everything, but I think there's a lot of focus on what men do in cinema and um, male homosexuality is more threatening to culture at large, or seems to be. But uh, this Marlena Dietrich, like like putting her mouth on the other the lady's mouth, is is pretty. Um, I, I'm I, I think that's I think that's the one. And it was also like uh, it, it's not one of those movies where homosexuality is shown to be like a, a, a symbol of debauchery or a symbol of. Um, like a lewd lifestyle uh, or, or, or even where it's like, you know, you've got like the children's hour, uh, which is about uh, a lesbian who is running a school and she's punished for it. Yeah. Spoilers for a movie from 1932 or whatever, but <laughs> uh, you know, she, she's not, she, she doesn't get to have a happy ending. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And I think in Morocco, my understanding is, you know, it, she she kind of does right right yeah um i, I want to see it now just on un, principle be a, be a good gay so th- then we get into the Hayes code time so you know in the uh motion picture code which uh got started in 1934 it, it went under a whole bunch of of revisions but basically from 1934 to 1968 there were these these codes that prevented a whole bunch of shit from being depicted in cinema and uh gay shit any kind of queer shit at all was 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 verboten so we end up having back to this original question of like what is queer cinema we end up having a lot of queer things happening on screen and hinted at or coded but not actually overtly present and um it's a it's an interesting time because like the celluloid closet mentions over and over again gay people go to a movie and they're desperately looking for themselves and looking for representation and there were lots of ways in which hollywood gave it to them but they had to do it on the dl and uh yeah and then you know mike to to connect back to our previous episode Wow, I learned a thing that you taught me from our last episode about the word queer and how people in uh, like new york uh, in that in that book, Gay New York by Chauncey, a name mm-hmm. I I have a terrible memory, but I won't forget the name Chauncey. Uh, but um, <laughs> there, people identified as queer and New York. I, I like read more about that after the episode. And in New York, there was an entire from like very late eighteen hundreds to like nineteen forty ish, where there were we had these balls. We I wasn't there. Uh, queer people had balls. There were people that identified as queer. Queer was more like middle class. They you know meant different things. And then 
I think like during the forties was this big backlash against queer culture. And we had to kind of go underground and, or, or uh, I mean, it's not like we were like, yeah, I don't know. There were, the, there were just like all of these public events that people wrote about and talked about. And, and so it's interesting, the timing, uh, I'm surely all of this connects and lines up that the timing of that is in the thirties around when, you know, some of these things that we were just a little bit more out in the open or talked about, even if not broadly socially accepted, yeah. then got that happened in the early 1900s, then got pushed uh, aside or, or society kind of had this backlash against them. And I think that happens. Uh, I, I think, you know, that sort of happens again in the 70s, right, with disco. And then there's a there's a backlash against that again. Um, and I think that we had I think that generally society kind of you know, we take two steps forward, one step back very often. Um, And, and we start having, you know, like uh, 1969 rolls around, we get uh, movies like the gay deceivers uh, and then Stonewall happens and we, we get a whole bunch of like gay rights. And then we have, you know, the disco scene and we've got the village people. uh, They have their own cereal brand. And then (laughs) Eric is like, Hey guys, y'all are too gay for us. So like, Dial it back a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that I think that happens often. Yeah, it, yeah, and and you, you talk about you know the, the the coincidence of timing, Kyle. Like the the, the Hayes Code barely barely hangs on during the sixties. It's not nearly as stringently enforced, and that's when you know sexual liberation is happening. Straight people are doing all of this, like summer of love and and, and shit like that. And then Stonewall happens in sixty in sixty nine. And um, by then, the Hays Code uh, was replaced with the film rating system that we know now, the MPAA and, and you know, rated R, rated X, blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I think it's interesting also because Stonewall happens and gay people sort of arrive on the scene and uh, movies, studios start to see us as a way to make money. And it, it, it then is more inclined to include more overtly queer things in movies and then you know you've got when did rocky horror come out 1970 something like by, by, by the time rocky horror comes out like it's it's just uh 75 yeah 75 we, we've, we've given up even just like pretending or trying to hold it hold it back but yeah and then do you want do you want to talk about your stuff like yeah 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 so um i'm going to talk about new queer cinema which uh there's this wave of a queer cinema that happened in the nineties that I'm going to talk a little bit more about. It's, uh, it's either called new queer cinema also referred to as the queer new wave. That was a term coined by B Ruby rich in the magazine sight and sound in 1992. And mm-hmm. I first came across this when, when looking up queer cinema, I came across this article in the New York times that talked about a Sundance film festival panel with queer, uh, directors and stuff on January 25th, 1992. And uh, they talked about contemporary gay and lesbian cinema. It was called the barbed wire kisses panel, which was after some band is an album by a band who I can't find the connection. To, I don't know. Surely there's something queer about that, that I don't understand, but there you go. <laughs> but um, it's what I, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but like, I just think it's interesting that there, that is a moment in queer history that is, at Sundance, this group of people got together, talked about cinema, and it is I the article I was reading was a reflective looking back on 30 years or whatever since this panel. And it's crazy 
there mostly history doesn't happen in these big moments that you can you know you look back and you say stonewall was important there but there are all these things that happened along the way but this is a moment a, a there was a, a point in time a, that you could point to and say this is a moment in queer cinema history this group of people that got together and talked about it if you were there on that day it is a moment in history and that's that always fascinates me those those mm-hmm. kind of moments that you look back and say this was important mm-hmm. uh, and, and when i hadn't heard about so these directors and queer people got together and talked about uh, gay cinema they talked about things like the trans representation in Silence of the Lambs. Like, imagine being able to have that discussion at the time yeah. without straight people there to have to, like, you're all just kind of, you know, there's a level of removing the outside. This is like, let's talk about our community and, and our opinions on, on this topic. I'm always in favor of events that don't have straight people at them, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> straight people are so exhausting. I know. And, and ubiquitous. And ubiquitous, yeah. Anyway, so so uh, that kind of kicked off this new uh, queer cinema movement. Uh, I I just wrote down as I was reading about it words that helped define what this movement meant. Um, it's interesting because the person that created this this phrase to describe it, B. Ruby Rich, said that it doesn't share a single aesthetic vocabulary or strategy or concern so talking Mm. about the variety of these films so then what do they have in common and it is the it is the queer part so it is activist driven um it is it was described as identity cinema um it is uh, films that are angry uh made during the 90s they are a rejection of heteronormativity lgbt protagonists on the fringes of society that's something I, i i mentioned before Rich, the person that created this, said, quote, the 80s had been so brutal. Work didn't get made because people were dying too fast, which I don't know. There, there's uh, there's no just anytime I'm reminded of the AIDS crisis, it's it's something that I can never truly totally feel. But uh, this is just another one of those times where you're like, oh, we didn't get films made because we're all fucking dying like that. Right, it's just, yeah. you know, the gravity yeah. of that, like. One um, of the movies that we did for the for the podcast was uh, uh, Red Ribbon Blues, uh, which is a movie that RuPaul's in, uh, as is Lipsinka uh, and a couple of other people. But RuPaul's in it. Uh, it's weird to think of like this person who I know is still alive. I don't know her, but <laughs> this person who is still alive, who I see on my television every day, uh, was also around at a time when uh, in the movie they talk about like, it's set a couple of years in the future uh, where like they have a new pill for HIV uh, that increases the lifespan that doubles the lifespan of AIDS patients and now allows them to live for up to 10 years. Mm. And it was this like shocking bit of text on the screen that like not even an entire generation has gone by where like people were, were, people were dying very, very regularly and like very quickly uh, from this disease. Uh, And it happens so recently. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is, I think part of what comes of that part of the reason for this wave of queer cinemas is in reaction to that. That is why it is people in the fringes. That is why they are taking queer people and putting them front and center. And it is not trying to fit in or bind. Like these are like, we are angry that, not only is this happening, but no one gives a shit about us. And it is angry, unapologetic and activist centric. It, it, um, one of the things that I liked that it describes this 
type of movie as this confrontational and antagonistic approach towards heterosexual culture. It's these people that are fucking pissed off because all their friends died. No one fucking cares. We haven't been like art makes sense that that's a place that people turn to be to be able to express some of this pain and, and the difficulty they're going through. And what what was also interesting is when this started to slow down, one of the people that was on that panel talked about how in the 21st century, LGBTQ lives were not under attack by AIDS or Congress like they were in the 90s. So the outrage that this kind of brand of cinema, it, um, like it, it did not have the outrage and immediacy of this wave of, of queer cinema. It's So that's like a really interesting byproduct of AIDS and you know, political action and, and groups like act up and, um, and queer nation. So, uh, some of the movies that I intend to try to watch this month to help me learn a little bit more, just reading some of the ones that came up. So others, if they want to listen or, or watch as well, uh, Edward, the second by Derek Jarman, uh, young soul rebels by Isaac Julian swoon by Tom Kalen poison by Todd Haynes, Paris is Burning uh, by Jenny Livingston and The Watermelon Woman by Cheryl Dooney, uh, which is the uh, known uh, thought to be the first out black lesbian to direct a feature film. Hmm. I would I would add to that list probably the Teen Apocalypse trilogy, uh, the Gregoraki. Uh, what is it? Doom Generation. Uh, I don't remember the other three, but he made three movies in the 90s that are the, the Teen Apocalypse trilogy and they're. You know, just sort of very, as you say, very activist, very uh, angry, very, um, yeah. Uh, one of my uh, missing, one of my big gaps was Paris's Burning. So uh, that the reason I did not mention that earlier is because last night I watched it. So that mm. was the first time I'd seen it. Um, and I uh, <laughs> have seen, I've watched Pose before I've w- watched this. So it is insane how close and, and, it poses a very good representation of of Paris's burning. I was really impressed with that. So, uh, not only like learning about this moment in time in, in in queer film history that that I didn't know about, I think some of the ways that we define that help illuminate the difference between gay cinema, like g- gay movies. They talked about like there are other there are gay movies happening at the time, like the Crying Game. They are made by straight people, or there are movies that are about you know even when you get to modern day you know love simon like i'm just a normal white boy you know like they're those to me are gay movies versus queer there's something that is activist that has more black people people of color that has people with hiv or aids like there is something that uh, about queer cinema They're, they're angrier they're weirder they're independent like there's something about queer cinema that I also think helps illuminate the difference between the words gay and, and queer. Hmm. There's a really good, uh, Matt Rogers does a character. You can find it on YouTube, uh, but it's the, like unintimidating gay teen. And he talks about like the gay teen that you see in movies basically. And how it, how the character like doesn't get to have sex and may at some point share like one chaste kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but more often than not, they, the only thing that really happens to them is that the whole school comes around and accepts them. Uh, <laughs> and, and they're still alone and the audience doesn't get to like movies like that. They don't give uh, young gay kids a hope that they will be 
treated as equals. They they're yeah. still they they don't get to have their own love story, for example. They don't get to have yeah. They they yeah, yeah. the best that they can hope is that their homophobic parent will come around and be slightly less homophobic at the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> The, the the best thing you can hope for is you don't realize how hot your dad Josh Dumal is because that really <laughs> breaches a weird line that as a gay team you may not want to go down. It's true. It's actually fitting then that we ended on uh, that because what I wanted to talk about was, uh, as I say, you know, we've got a podcast. Uh, it's called We Read Movies. Hold to again. It's called We Read. <laughs> um, and uh, we watch you know, bad gay movies. Uh, and then we talk about them for comedy purposes. And um, as I say, the reason that I wanted to start the podcast was because there's so many movies, there's so many pieces of media that is made uh, for and often by gay people that traffics in this very anti-gay attitude. So mm-hmm. um, one of the questions that we was, that we always ask at the end of our episodes is, is this a good gay movie? That is, is it a movie that's good for gay people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. does it avoid trafficking in harmful stereotypes, internalized homophobia? Uh, does it slut shame? Is it advocating for homonormativity, uh, which uh, it was a term coined by Lisa Duggan uh, during the fight for gay marriage, uh, mm-hmm. basically. And it's, It's taking heteronormative ideals of like monogamy and chasteness and sort of conservatism in um, both your attitudes and like the way that you dress and the way that you conduct yourself. And so you like you're 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 straight acting and you just basically apply that to gay people. So you still have, you know, you end up with uh, movies like uh, Eating Out 3, uh, (laughs) All You Can Eat. Uh, where you have a character talk about how like gay people are all shallow sluts and then he's the like one good monogamous gay person who doesn't only care about people's appearances and then as a result he ends up getting the hottest person in the movie yeah uh, his like boyfriend yeah don't take that dream away from me (laughs) don't 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 take me shitting on every other gay person and getting the hot guy (laughs) as a dream that i personally have away from me but yeah so as we're asking these questions the answer more often than not is no this is not a good movie for gay people Mm. um and they engage in like, or, or they'll engage in femme shaming, right? Which, uh, which happens a lot. So uh, we get a lot of gay movies made by gay people, like by gay directors, where all of the actors are straight and they all act like it. And yeah. then what we get from that is, uh, first off, that we are we we're, we're sort of taught by our own media, uh, and and it's something that I think a lot of us internalize that like flamboyancy is unacceptable and like yeah. uh swishiness is 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 unacceptable and also it has the unfortunate fact of like because all of the actors are straight they often don't want to appear on camera kissing a man so you mm. get the like six degrees of separation thing where they go in for the kiss and then the camera pulls away at the last second and you just see the backs of their heads so like you i guess they might be kissing but no yeah. they're not and then we are taught by our own media that our sexuality is shameful and, and, and is something that can't be displayed. Yeah. 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 We just continually have these kind of debates about 
uh, even at Stonewall where people were like, we, do, we should not be, you know, out there in chorus lines. We should not have limp wrists out there. We should not be singing and chanting and breaking things. We need to fit in. Like we, we have this constant push and pull between the groups of people that think we should fit in. And there's a, you know, heteronormativity to an assimilation that, that we think we need to fit in versus people that, uh, you know, think we should rebel and, and throw bricks and, and, you know, reject those ideas and fight back. And it's interesting how that comes up so often um, in, in, you know, in everything we do, including media like this. Yeah. And personally for me, like when I was a teenager, I also was like, Oh, that's all, you know, uh, nobody should be painting their nails uh, or like changing their hair color, piercing their ears. Like let's all just be, you know, quote unquote normal. Yeah. And same, same. (laughs) And now that's, you know, not me at all. But I, uh, I, I also think that, like, for me personally, I think that you need both. I, I think that you need the people who are going to be, you know, sort of happy being uh, cis, uh, gender conforming, quote unquote, normal people. And you need the outliers. You need the rebels. And fortunately, I don't think we have to do anything to make that happen. Like, I, th- I think that we just we exist on a spectrum of types of people and there are people who are those rebels just naturally and there mm-hmm. are people who are you know sort of happy being monogamous with a white picket fence just naturally yeah yeah it, it, no no I, I i i totally agree especially when you look at you know whether we like it or not straight people have the power and and we we definitely need to i think be strategic about how we move the needle with them right mm-hmm. like and this is a debate that's been happening like like kyle sort of alluded to since the 1950s i think about the deviance war and frank kameny and making everybody show up in suits and ties and the sweltering heat to pick it because he he wanted everybody to look you know palatable right but there's utility in that there really there really is and, and I, I, I agree with you you need both you need you need both to be successful and i always think of uh uh, David Foster Wallace has a has an essay where uh, we're talking about the OED and like why the OED is important uh, and why like grammar is important. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 there's an argument that like we should be able to break grammar rules and they don't the grammar rules, for example, don't reflect. Uh, I don't remember the the I, I don't remember the term that we call it now, but like black urban English mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or southern mm-hmm. English or, you know, uh, uh, the pidgin English uh, uh, of like Louisiana or whatnot. But it is important when you're sort of interacting with people who do have the power to engage them on their own field. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate that we have to do that. In a perfect world, we wouldn't. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think that we all, to bring it back to, to, to queerness, I think that we all code switch a little bit. And my my problem is always that in a lot of our media, we are creating this media for ourselves to be consumed almost exclusively by gay people, but we make it as if we're, as if our parents are going to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't think that, I don't think that winds up being healthy for us. I think that that, that makes it so that our, uh, we're, we're no longer code switching then like that then just becomes our default. Uh, if that's the only media that we consume and, what also ends up happening is a lot of times the so if we have a femme character in one of these movies, they wind up being sort of the like there's the trope in in straight movies of sort of the magical homo, right? Mm-hmm. Who like comes in, helps the straight people find love that 
they are never allowed to have themselves. Yeah. And in gay movies, that still happens. It's just that now that's the femme character or that's the black character or that's the old character uh, or it's the, you know, non-standard standards of beauty character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or all four potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And what I wanted to do, sorry. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to end this whole spiel on uh, a helpful, a hopeful note because uh, it doesn't have to be like this. And uh, we've been getting a lot of movies recently that are not like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Fire Island, which I, I watched yesterday, uh, came out. I think it came out on Friday. Uh, but anyway, it's, you know, it features a, a, a wide variety of uh, body types and of like and and of people. It's fine. like as a movie it's perfectly serviceable it's not that funny uh it's not that good but like i watch we all watch me like a lot of media that is just okay Mm -hmm. and why not you know make it this queer one that's Mm -hmm. just okay that's true yeah i watch a lot of mediocre tv shows that i know are just mediocre but they're just there to enjoy and do something and and yeah that gave me an option for me i watched all of love is blind recently why did i do that oh wow (laughs) that was a terrible decision (laughs) i did it (laughs) i have watched real housewives in the past like uh, you know what (laughs) we're allowed to watch gay medium quality things yeah uh, and like uh, Bros is coming out soon, uh, that Billy mm. Eichner movie. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we'll we'll see if it disappoints me, but <laughs> so far it's looking good. I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. And we've also been getting a lot of like we've been getting more and more gay genre movies. So movies that are unabashedly queer, um, but where it's not like a romance or a coming of age movie. So we've got things like Knife Plus Heart, uh, Death Drop, Gorgeous, Stranger by the Lake. And uh, like we're we've been getting gay Hallmark style Christmas movies that yeah. <laughs> are not to my tastes, but some of them are, I liked single all the way. Yeah. Wasn't that on, was that on the Hallmark channel or was that Netflix? That one was on Netflix. Yeah. OK. Hallmark channel was, I believe, I think the only one that they did was Happiest Season, yeah. uh, which yeah. I did not care for. OK. <laughs> That's the Kristen Stewart one, right? Kristen Stewart winds up with her conservative, like Republican girlfriend instead of aubrey plaza who rocks and who the whole movie is like yeah i'm cool uh i don't need to (laughs) pretend to be straight so that my fucking homophobic dad can uh win his mayorship uh and then at the end uh kristen stewart's girlfriend is like i talked to them and now you're gonna be allowed to be in our family picture and she's like oh thank you for that crumb I'm, I, oh I'm so happy to be vaguely accepted. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I have a, so I have a we, lot of opinions. Yeah, so, no, yeah. we were leaving on an uplifting note. So <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you yeah. need to keep talking to get there. Okay, all right. Uh, and then, uh, but we're also getting like new and interesting, even coming of age movies. So like we've got uh, the that new uh, Troye Sivan movie, uh, Three Months. Mm-hmm. That one is, I thought, super good. It's uh, telling a story that, we haven't heard as much, especially lately, and uh, especially told through this lens. Um, mm. It's uh, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, Troy Sivan plays a, a teenager in, I think, Florida, uh, who finds out that he has been exposed to HIV 
and he has to wait three months before he can, you know, get his he's in that window. Yeah. And it's it's sort of him coming to grips with it, but it's it's him coming to grips with it in a in a not at all hopeless way uh, (laughs) that I think a lot of movies that we've seen in the past have had like you. There are a couple of like gay movies that are from the eighties where somebody gets HIV and then like they're dead in the next scene. Um, and, and where we're shown that like HIV is the, the worst possible thing that can happen to a person instead of, you know, especially at this point in our lives, a a very manageable condition. Yeah. And, uh, we can do our part to support gay creators. So, not indiscriminately, of course. I'm going to advocate that nobody go out and watch Coming Out Colton. We don't oh, need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as I say, we watch a lot of mediocre content often. If some, if we see something gay and it's on streaming, it's free for us. Put it on. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't be. If it's not, you can turn it off. If it is, then you should, if it's, you know, if it's one of those movies that is a good gay movie, if it's good for gay people, tell other gay people about it. Yeah. And even better, if it's a movie that, like, you think your straight friends might exi- might might uh, enjoy, if you have straight friends, mm-hmm. uh, tell them. So, like, uh, Knife Plus Heart is legitimately an amazing movie. It's this, like, French giallo movie about a serial killer who's stalking a gay porn set. Uh, and he's got, like, a he's got a dildo knife. Uh, it's so 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 good and it's really wacky and like uh pretty weird at some point the uh, the the main character meets somebody who has like a like a dinosaur hand but it's i don't know it's 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 truly enjoyable you had me Um, a dildo knife so yeah absolutely yeah there's a ton a ton a ton of queer content that you can be consuming and that costs you nothing to do. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens is you turn it off and you go back to love is bl- love is blind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally rate review, rub, scribe and recommend everybody. That's, 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 that's what we need out of, out of good, out of good queer cinema. It's, it's, uh, so should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. break. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Man, that was a good movie. Are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're going to bring this straight as but first, Chris Hagee, where can people find out more about you, what you're up to? Your Tell us all the things. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm, my name is Chris Hagee. Hi. Uh, I, <laughs> um, you can find me at a variety of places. Uh, I, I am on Twitter and kind of Instagram at Lighter Fandango on both of those. L-I-G-H-T-E-R Fandango, like the movie site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can find my podcast, We Read Movies, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, And also, if you are in the Seattle area, on Tuesdays, I host trivia at Madison Pub. Mm -hmm. It is, you know what? I'm going to say it. It's the best trivia night in Seattle. You know what? I'll say it for you. I I love going to trivia nights, and yours is my favorite. So, Well, that feels excellent to hear. Thank you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are on socials at gayish podcast uh our hotline you can leave us text messages or leave us voicemails especially if they're questions for mom for mom's planning it's 585 gayish 
It's five eight five five four two five eight five five gauge. Oh my god, I fucked it up. I think it's the first time I ever fucked I it up. I thought it. Cu- I thought the internet cut out because <laughs> that was like so weird. Okay, five eight five five gauge five eight five five four two nine four seven four standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at mail.com because we're just yeah. leaving out random things here and there at <laughs> gmail.com and our physical mailing address is post office box 19882 seattle washington 98109 uh, two points of personal privilege here the first happy 40th birthday to my baby brother murph murph who's been Aww. on the show several times and is you know a, a, he's one of the best straight people i know in terms of like actual allyship and like, he's a he's, man now i'm not gonna yeah. tell eric you said that <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true um uh yeah happy happy birthday murph happy birthday happy birthday uh second i'm gonna do my local gay bar review segment so wait before you do that another uh, remember that we are doing a happy hour on a date uh near the end thursday thursday june the 23rd yeah. At 6 p.m. Pacific time, we are having a happy hour for Pride. Uh, we'll be sending a Zoom link out to all of the places. Come join us and have 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 a cocktail, whether there's booze in it or not. Yeah, we should um, do like a Facebook invite or something for that. So find that on our Facebook page. That's real smart. I'll do that. Uh, local Gay Bar Review. So I, I, I said it a million times, but I'll say it again. I'm traveling a fuck ton for work, and I've committed to visiting at least one gay bar in all of these random ass places across the world as I go and doing a quick review. Um, so this last week I was in Washington, D.C., and I went to Pitchers. Pitchers is a bar mm-hmm. in the district. It is like Adams Morgan ish, but also kind of DuPont Circle. Um, but it is, it is, uh, uh, it's a adorable place. I really enjoyed it. This it feels like multiple bars happening in the same place. There are literal multiple bars in that, like like they have lots of different places that you can walk up and order a drink. But it's on four different stories, sort of. And um, there's a like a restaurant part down downstairs, and then upstairs there's this area that has like video games at tables, like like hmm. permanently there, so you can just like well, I'm pick. sold. Yeah, pick up a controller and start playing. There's like a sports bar, big TVs kind of area, a couple of big patios that are outdoors, and lesbians in the basement. And I'm (laughs) where they belong. I'm not kidding. They have a a a bar catering to uh, female and and femme uh, presenting folks in 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 the basement. And um, lesbians go down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I really I really enjoyed Unlike this gay bar. Men who historically have never gone down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check it out. It's pictures in DC. It was fun. Did you um, see Aaron Shock there? No. Mm. That's probably for the best. But it was also like a Thursday. So you expected him to be instead ass up at Steamworks, right? Exactly. I hear. I'm, I'm sure that's where he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's Not do. Well, you know. Even bigots. Just the hypocrisy team. We can shame that slut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our Gays and Straight. It's sponsored by Spaces. Spaces, a new group chat app for niche queer communities by Hornet. Um, Kyle, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, my gayest is the adorable ramekin of Greek yogurt that I make for my, myself most mornings. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one, the ramekin itself is like 
kind of cute and stuff. And I uh, got put in some Greek yogurt and blueberries and some uh, nuts on top. And it just looks like a, you know, it just looks like real pretty when I eat it. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Uh, straightest thing is the course of researching for this episode and not knowing most of these movies and feeling <laughs> like I <laughs> am such a bad gay for not knowing any of these. Uh, yeah. You're not a bad gay for that. <laughs> Thank you. For the, the, yeah, agreed. There's there's something vaguely homoerotic about the phrase Greek yogurt, I think. Oh, um, just yeah, because Greek is historically gay and yogurt sounds like jizz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Chris, breaking things down. Breaking down. <laughs> Who needs subtext after all? Um, <laughs> Uh, when you can just have text. Mike, what about you? Uh, the straightest thing about me this week is uh, I went home for my brother's 40th birthday and I just, it was a quick trip. So I packed super duper light. I just put everything I needed into my glasses case, my my, my pills and my contact solution. End of list. And Poppers. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That you didn't bring like a shirt or something? No, nothing. N- no, nothing. Just wow. Just my medications and my glasses, and that that was it. Um, and then the gayest thing about me this week, I was I was at this party for my brother's birthday. It was also there. Um, uh, he and 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 Gina just got married in February, but they waited to have their reception. So it was a combo wedding reception, and then my brother's fortieth birthday. And um, after the whole thing, I stayed at my mom's house last night. Got up this morning and we were having breakfast. I was talking about this boy that I saw running around with um, my now, I guess, niece in law. No. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and I just, my gaydar is the gayest thing about me. I was like, who (laughs) is that boy? And does he know that he's not totally straight? And (laughs) to which my mom replied, oh, yeah, he's gay. And out. I was like, oh, "Oh, in Tri Cities, Washington? Great. Okay, neat. Um, oh. but yeah, I was, I was, your dick didn't have to be the one to tell him. I was dead on accurate about him, him being, being a Mo. So yeah. nice. Uh, how about you, Chris Hagee? Uh, yeah. So, um, I, I mentioned it before, but I am, have been hosting trivia at Madison pub, which is a gay sports bar kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's not, there's plenty of non-sports there, but there's also <laughs> in Seattle, it is the gayest sportsiest place that exists. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, uh, I have asked more sports questions at trivia mm. in the last month than I have ever asked in the history, <laughs> just in all told in the 12 years that I've been hosting trivia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mostly just because I had a rule uh, that I didn't ask sports questions before. Yeah. Yeah. And then the gayest thing about me is that I took an edible two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And choreographed a dance to "Running Up That Hill" by Kate Bush because it was on Stranger Things. Yeah, and it just you know reminded me how much I love Kate Bush. Yeah, can and, you do it uh, for us now? I, <laughs> give me an edible, and we'll see. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was what I. Uh, my boyfriend was uh, was uh, watching Drag Race at a friend's house, and so I just uh got stoned and did some kate bush choreography nice nice oh, oh you're doing it now Ooh, uh, uh, i didn't know you could do two backflips in a row oh wow <laughs> look at that kickflip <laughs> good lord 
here's the weird thing is that I can't do one backflip, but I can do two. <laughs> you can do two. Yeah. <laughs> Zero or two. Mm-hmm. That's my rule about sex. <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, well, Chris Aggie from the We Read Movies podcast, thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing your, your pearls of wisdom about cinema. I thought we cut that part out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Part of the choreograph. Um, thank you to Spaces for sponsoring us. They uh, posted about us and other of their spaces that they were featuring uh, on like Instagram and shit. So, you know, it's it's nice to feel loved and wanted. So thanks, Spaces, for sponsoring us and posting about us. And we're one of the biggest things on Spaces. So, <laughs> um, so go check out our space. Yeah. Uh, thank you also to our super gap bridgers, Yo, Stosel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Forrest Noel, Patrick Martin, Anonymous, James Barrow, Steve Le- Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Christopher Farrell, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McStumbles, Donald Linsky, Thomas B. Dusty Sands, A.E. Coleman, Chris Catchatorian, Jerome, York, and Cian, and Javi. Thank you and happy pride especially to them. Yeah, that is it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Catchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Uh, Brokeback is one of them, but I think at this point, most people have come around to like, that movie's fine. Uh, mm. It was it was groundbreaking, <laughs> but it yeah. wasn't good. My favorite part of that movie is when Heath Ledger, uh, when they're about to have sex for the first time and he licks his hand and like, that's going to be enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for a virgin. <right>? Yeah. <laughs>